This is the Hop Podcast. On the push, I just tried to push out so hard, and I pushed myself in the first, but popped my shoulder out. I put, popped it out on the push, so it was dangling as I'm trying to touch. And the first corner is a right-hand drift, which involves my right shoulder, which popped out. Um, went to put it down, and I nothing, but it just fell off. My name's James Hopkin, and this is the Hop Podcast. Today, I am interviewing Mitch Thompson. If you don't know who Mitch is, he's one of the fastest downhill skaters in the world. It's September 2018. He's ranked fifth in the world last year, 2017. He finished the year fourth. And I was in Bathurst two weeks ago on Newton's duty. And Mitch lives in Bathurst, so we sat down and did an interview. He answered all my questions. There was nothing that was off limits. And we talked about everything, everything from the setup of his board, you know, the current rain prototype that he's been using that's now a production model. It's just had a limited release this week. We talk about Ronin trucks, how s- the mini Ronin trucks, and how small can we make a Ronin truck. We talk about why Mitch doesn't clean his bearings and the grip tape he uses, the torque block, the bushings, wheels. He has his own wheel company, DUI, so we talk about how he prototyped his wheels, how he kept it secret up until he released them, what wheel he's working on now. Mitch has been in some of the best finals uh, over the last couple of years, and we talk about how those finals went down and how some of the racing went down around the world. We talk about the Newtons, we talk about uh, Killington and the Korean race, the Philippines, We get into it. There's something here for everyone. If you are getting into downhill and you want some tips and tricks, how the pros set up the boards, you'll love this interview. If you just want to hear about the race stories like I do, if you're a downhill tragic, you will love this interview. So uh, it's a long one, but there's lots of gems in there. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so we have Mitch Thompson. I'm in Bathurst at the moment, which is... uh the home of Newtons and also the home of Mitch Thompson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no worries. So uh, it's something I ask everyone that is on the podcast. What was uh, your first skateboard? It was actually a, geez, it was some kind of Chinese cruiser that bought up in uh, the Gold Coast, actually. I was up there, had nothing else to do, and it was dry and couldn't surf because we didn't have a surfboard or a boogie board or anything up there, so I went and bought this cruiser and just cruised around the boardwalk. How old would you have been? Um, that would have been, gosh, that would have been 2012, I think it would have been. About midway through 2012, I bought that. So, what were you being, 14 or something? Like yeah, about, about uh, yeah, 13 or 14, yeah. Do you still have it? Um, actually, I lent it to a friend, and that friend never really turned up again, so <laughs> that's how you lose a skateboard, I guess. <laughs> and so, your first skateboard was sort of like a longboard, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was just like a you cruiser, kind of like a bigger than a penny board, made out of some wood. Um, Did that get you into the sport? Or? Yeah, that definitely got me in. I bought that and came back, and I had a couple other friends that had some kind of similar cruisers board, and we just went around the local estates before they had houses on them so we could skate down these roads that were perfect butter and uh, had no cars on them so it was ideal for learning but yeah as we got quicker then we uh, started to get a bit more adventurous into it 
So what was your first like real longboard? Did you uh, then get a downhill board or? Yeah, I actually bought it secondhand off a local guy in Bathurst. I looked him up and mum and dad were a bit, you know, didn't want me to kind of get into the sport. I showed him too many videos, I think, first off. And I uh, went and bought uh, this board off this guy and it was only a hundred bucks. It was a Volt uh, Psycho Bushido or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember a that. Big drop down, Evo yeah. looking kind of board. Yeah. And I bought that and I think I rode it the wrong way around for the first couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> before I ran into some people that actually knew what they were doing and they could actually show me how to ride it, so yeah. And then what was the progression after that? Did you kill that board? Uh, no, I didn't kill that board. I actually sold it to a mate who got into the sport briefly and then moved away. But uh, yeah, moved up from that to a Kuya board, which were from America, and they oh, really? they were made pretty like exclusive at the time. And yeah. So how old would you have been then? Uh, when I first got my actual downhill board and like started to get into the sport, that was just started 2013, so it would have been about 15 or 16. Okay. Yeah. So how, when, because the first time I saw you race yep. was the the Lithgow. Oh, Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. So what would you have been on then? How old would you have been then? Um, 16, 17? Yeah, it would have been 16. I think I had my L's at the time, so yeah, it would have been 16. Um... Oh, yeah, I was probably riding the same Kuya board. Oh, really? I had that one for a couple of years. Yeah, I loved okay. it to bits. And what sort of trucks and wheels? Um, I was actually on some bare precision 10mm ones. So they were pretty, <laughs> really? pretty unusable with most bearings, but had to get like special bearings for them. And I actually bought them off a guy uh, at the 2013 Newtons, I think it was. Okay. Um, he rode for Land Yachts and he was selling all his gear and I bought them for 100 bucks and loved them to bits. Okay, so you were at Newtons in 2008? 13? Yeah, I, was at, I came up to support um, uh, another rider from Bathurst, Morgan Holland, who used to skate. Um, he went in it, and I just came up and to support him. And then after the race, the, as every race, there's always gear getting thrown around and yeah. sold cheaply. So I was up there with my $100 in hand and bought some trucks. So that was the last Newtons before the break, wasn't it? Yeah. So you, you, you didn't get to skate Newtons as a junior or anything? No, definitely. I, I would love to. I think at the time, maybe my skill level wasn't quite there, but if I had the leathers, I would have would have given it a crack. And did you watch the racing all that weekend? Yeah, I um, actually skipped school on Friday, I think. I think mum dropped me up there rather than going to school. Oh. And uh, yeah, went and watched from Friday through to Sunday. It was really good. And that first that first, that first uh, race I saw you in, the um, Jacko's race. Oh, Wild Wild West. Wild yeah. Wild West. You won that race. Uh, Is that right? I think. You just like just came around that corner and won? Oh, you know, that was the second one. That was when I actually had leathers. I went to an early Wild Wild oh, West. Oh, yeah, the first Wild the, Wild West. Yeah, the first one um, where Jack actually won and raced himself. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, the second one. So that would have been in 2015. Yeah, the, I think the second one was 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe even late 2014. Yeah. Yeah, it's all gone so quick. It was, that final was you and... Me and Tyrone. We uh, passed yeah. about four or five times down the track, which it's not a very long track, so passing that much isn't... Know very much heard of, so it was a really good race, and yeah, passed him just out the last corner, and we went head to head over the line pretty much. Yeah. Did you go on the inside on that final corner? Uh, I went to the outside, which was the rough line, and yeah. you don't usually take that line. And yeah, it's a bit scary, but it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what would you have been? Would you still been on that same setup that you? Uh, the twenty, the second Wild Wild West race, I probably was on a different setup. I think at the time I was just. I got given a board from Cam Cart, I think, uh, to ride for rain longboards. Not ride for them, but well, yeah, riding rain longboards. Yeah, a bit of flow from Cam. And, uh, yeah, I think I was on a uh, Fortune 
uh, Patrick Switzer Pro model, so I think I was on that and some Ronins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And so that year you went to uh, Rapu, is that right? Was uh, that before or after? The Rapu was after, I think, yeah. yeah. I went there in uh, 2015, yeah. Yeah. Went there a year out of being a junior. That's what really, really stung me. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, you just, you... You never rode as a junior? No, I raced local races as juniors and stuff like that, but no, I never um, never got to race as an actual junior, which sucked, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly unusual for someone that comes up through the sport. Yeah. Yeah, you're not a junior, or the, it is these days. So, you did well in that race. Uh, the repair? Yeah. You got to like uh, 10? Yeah, uh, just, just outside the uh, top eight. Yeah. Somehow, I, um, when it was wet, I had uh, these rain wheels that we Jimmy rigged the night before and <laughs> cut side grooves in with an angle grinder, and they looked like an atrocity, but they worked really well. And I actually, uh, in the rain, qualified six seconds faster than the next person. Wow! And then in the dry, um, I got bumped back a fair bit because it was pretty light at the time. So I think I dropped down to like eighth or something like that. But yeah, it was my first big race, and I was kind of stoked how how well I kind of did in it. Yeah. So 2015, you had a good year. Yeah, you know, Wild Wild West and Repay. It was that, like, did you think I'm pretty good at this then or before that? Like, um, I think the yeah real turning point was uh, the Yarra Rangers race in uh, November of 2014. Oh, okay. That's right. where, like, the first time that I ever really got to race um, Tyrone. Before that, I was usually, I don't know, I went to, like, some Grom Bombs here and there and it was always Tyrone and then... Uh, Zach Italiano and these other really good juniors that were just a level above and never got, really got to race them properly. And then, yeah, at, uh, Yarra, I finally got to go head-to-head with Tyrone and I ended up taking that win. I think that was the turning point, like, yeah, maybe I can actually do well. <laughs> so you and Tyrone, that was, like, for a year, there was a few grudge matches there. Not grudge matches, yeah. but that was, like, you versus Head-to-heads, yeah. Head-to-heads. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it went back and forth for a bit. Like, he got me at a couple of races and I got him, so that was really good. When you so you had that good year in 2015, and yeah. was it then okay? I'm going to plan for the next year of yeah, pretty like much doing more. Yeah, I was uh, looking at doing a like a gap year of some sort, just having a year off school, okay, year off work kind of thing. So uh, end of end of my HSC in 2015, I pretty much just knuckled down and went to work, earned enough money to go overseas, pretty much. And um, so yeah. Kira was that in 2016 we brought back Kira. Yeah, what do you think of Kira? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, the only the only downside for me was I went to uh, Kaikoura in January. Oh yeah, yeah. Before yeah. that, and I went there and actually fell off in the in a practice run and didn't know at the time, but broke my ankle. And then Kira was about six weeks on from, um, uh, yeah, six weeks on from Kaikoura. So for this whole six weeks, I had X rays and they didn't show up any breaks. So I went to the physio, tried to work it. Went to Kira with a pretty wobbly ankle, couldn't push off the line or anything like that. <laughs> It was really fun to finally race it and race it closed and everything, but um, so yeah. so you had a bad ankle, you couldn't really push off the line, so you were no. just basically riding like Jacko, really. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing the classic Jacko, pushing out last and getting some draft here and there. Um, I mean that would have been pretty good because I mean that was sort of first really big event the community, the Australian community got together. I mean that was yeah, like, in the first cup, like first since twenty thirteen, that was the last big Australian yeah. event I. Saw so yeah, that was a really good event to go to and see people I've never seen before, people from Perth, people from everywhere, Adelaide. And then you you went travelling. Yep, Wellington. 
yeah. killed it at Killington. Yeah, that was uh, it was a kind of a breakthrough because I went to Canada before Killington and uh, linked up with my brother and kind of taught him how to skate and he ended up coming with me. And uh, we went to events around there, Danger Bay and Jake's Rash. Oh, yeah. I won the juniors at Jake's Rash, but I was more aiming for top prizes like opens classes and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, I had this like realization like, well, if it's not going to pan out this well in America, I don't know how Europe's going to go. And then, um, yeah, it kind of came together at Killington and yeah. Is that your type of like hill, like big and fast? Is that, um, or is it just, there's a lot of room. So if you make a mistake, you've got time to recover or? Yeah. It's like at the time it definitely wasn't my kind of hill because I was a lighter rider and all that, like a didn't weigh too much so I really had to get in people's draft um so at the time Killington I didn't look at as a race I could win or do well at or anything like that so I went into it with the mindset just do as best as you can and then came to racing and first time really racing proper um, American races like Zach Maiden and all those kind of top races and just how tight they want to get and everything it kind of put me in a mindset okay if they're going to race tight I'm going to race tight so a bit of bumping here and there and I know jamming people off the road kind of came into play sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now I look back at it, Killington was, yeah, it's now become one of my more favorite racetracks just because, like, I like the speed factor and then, hey, I have to pretty much slow down to a stop to get around the corner. Yeah. And were you, you testing gear at this stage? Were you still on that rainboard or were you testing yeah. wheels and trucks? What were you um, so, yeah, at the time I was on a rain exorcist i think it was okay and i made the jump i didn't have a truck sponsor and i actually made the jump um through tony streets to liquid trucks oh okay yeah, yeah. hopped on them for about a yeah, year and a half or so really liked the trucks and they did really well so i was testing them out just trying to dial them in um in america and finally got some low degree base plates it's the first time i played with like split angles and narrow trucks and all that and it just like felt amazing it felt Worlds of difference compared to 180 mil trucks and 45, 45, something like that. Uh, yeah, so that was really the testing point. Uh, I just had my like go-to kegels. I just used to love orangutan kegels, and they were just big, and I thought they were big and fast, and that was the end-all, be-all kind of for the wheel. Yeah. So I just loved them at the time. So when you're testing stuff or you're trying things out, is that like just free riding and in between? Would you don't change stuff for races, do? You? Um. Yeah, in the past, like, I've made decisions, uh, like, Kaikoura, I tried to test out um, the Proto V's wheels. Rob McWinney gave me a set to try. And What year was that? Uh, that was, yeah. Uh, 2016. Start 2016, yeah. He's like, try these, they're really fast and everything. Didn't kind of mention that you need to uh, scrub them in to get the grip going. And that's <laughs> uh, that may have uh, helped to me sliding out around the first corner and breaking my ankle. So I've kind of got this fear of trying gear out at races. Yeah. I will prefer to yeah, try it out free riding and then take it to the race and see how it goes. What other sort of events did you... So you were in North America for a bit and then you went yeah. to Europe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, after Killington, we went back to, uh, back to Canada for Whistler, which oh, okay. was an amazing event. I wish it would come back, but the roads deteriorated way too much. Yeah. Um, and then Giants Head Freeride, which is an awesome event. But uh, not if you try and do a world tour and trying to stay unbroken or whatever. Um, Josh Evans got caught out there and got his ankle broken by some kid sliding into him. So it's a good event, but not when you want to, you know, stay healthy. But yeah, then we... Were you injury-free then? Uh, yeah, I was injury-free. Oh, a bit of road rash here and there, but yeah. injury-free in terms of bones and muscles and all that. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, then we flew out to Europe and uh, me and my brother, we uh, picked up a big camper van and that's how we did Europe. Right. And uh, you're on the podium at Insult. Uh, just off the podium, actually. Me and Max Belisteros, uh clipped wheels coming out of the first uh, hairpin and we both went down and my board shot off hundreds of meters down the road and his one flipped right in front of him. So he got up to get third and yeah, I, I came through as fourth. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. But uh, that was pretty stoked to see uh, Harry Clark on his, I think it was his first IDF podium there. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was really, really good sight to see. He enjoyed it. And uh, Tiolo? Yeah. He's sort of a, got a love-hate relationship there, do you? Yeah. It's, uh, we got ninth that year. Yeah, ninth that year. And I, I top qualified that year. And I think... So the, how, do you, how do you top qualify at Tiolo? Uh, push out of every corner. And I don't know. It's <laughs> weird. The track isn't long. The track isn't... It's not overly gnarly or whatever, but by far it's the one that tests your, uh, I don't know, endurance the most because you're pushing out of a lot of the corners right. to try and make up time. Yeah. To be in the top 10, that's what you need to do. So, yeah, I just had to push out of every corner and tuck as hard as I could down the little straightaways. And what happened in the finals? You just got scrubbed out? Or? Um, yeah, in the finals, I just had a pretty gnarly heat with really good riders like Varshek and actually Harry Clark as well and all that. Yeah. And we just, I think we bumped each other in every corner and... I don't know if, if it hadn't went the other way, I think everyone would have been stoked. But the way it went, everyone was stoked in the result because it was just such a good heat. People at the event were calling it the the finals heat because the finals were pretty much a walkthrough from there. But yeah. yeah. So, 2016, like you had a really good year. So, you're you're thinking I'm going to do more of this, or yeah, is that you summed up the like? you sort of like reflected the year and then plan out the next year or what do you do yeah definitely like it came back um yeah 2016 and i think yeah the last event was uh insul came home and kind of recuperated after that and just Were you, do you have injuries uh no no injuries just you know you just been on the road so you don't eat as well and all that yeah. we try to but you can't and um yeah came back kind of planned to see what i would go to um i definitely knew i was going back to asia uh, just because Philippines was awesome and then I heard about another race in South Korea so I was slowly planning it out based around that I was do- definitely doing Asia and then what I was going to do next and yeah as it turned out 2017 just turned into a massive, massive year where year. I just went to mostly all the races yeah and I mean you've raced a lot in New Zealand as well yeah so, I mean, that you had some good racing in New Zealand yeah 2017 um, is that the one where Josh just picked you? That was actually this year, yeah. Oh, was that this year? Yeah, I had some bad karma in, in Kaikoura, so I, I decided to opt out of it in 2017 to preserve my ankle. Oh, okay, so you didn't go to... Oh, no, I right, didn't go in 2017. 2017. Okay, yeah, yeah my yeah. date's mixed up. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah, 2017 I decided not to go, just <laughs> I think financially and just on the back of, I don't know, my past injury there kind of shook me a bit. I was like, I better not ruin this year, ruin the start of this year like I did last year, so... Took a bit more seriously, maybe. Focused more on the IDF than um, other races. So, um, final of Newtons in 2017. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. That was a <laughs> that was a pretty amazing year. That one. Yeah, like yeah. That you, I don't know. Everything seemed to go right that for that race. Yeah, definitely. It um it all kind of came together. Like qualifying went pretty well. Um, and how did that final, like, how did that final pan out? Like. Yeah. You pushed out. Where were you? I pushed into second just behind Maritz. Yeah. Uh, Maritz is hard to beat on the push. He's just massive long legs and yeah. just gets out there. 
Uh, yeah, so I pushed it in uh, behind my roots, and I think I had Carl right up, right up behind me the whole time. And but I knew Carl was chucking a foot break, so it was a chance to make a bit of a gap. Um, yeah, so coming into Forest Elbow, right up behind my roots, like we both carved and got so close coming in carving, I pretty much could have pushed him off his board. We were that close, uh, but we kept it together. And then coming out of the corner, I'm trying to get in Maritz's draft, and I just did big Carl Wester at the time, who was a world record holder for faster speed. Yeah. So when he went past, I was like, well, we're going to have to settle for third, but I was more than stoked on third. Did he draft off you, or did he just get, he just slingshot around um, yeah. Forest Elbow? I think he just slingshot around Forest Elbow and his weight. He definitely used my draft, but even if I wasn't there, he would have caught up to Maritz just as quick. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever pop out of? Moritz's draft or yeah I, I screwed it up I hadn't all weekend drafted Moritz at all so I didn't know what he was doing down the last straightaway yeah and he pretty much followed the left hand white line the whole way down so he took the, he took an actual turn most people straight line it through there and try, try and take as much speed okay Moritz uh, turned the corner and I wasn't really expecting him to follow the white line so I popped out for a second and in that second it just got a little gone. bit away yeah. yeah he was gone made the gap yeah and I mean is that important for racing, like to try and race with all the top people, definitely. Like before the racing, yeah, it's interesting this year seeing. Um, like I remember years past, like if you were just coming up and stuff like that, people had no problem taking runs with you. Yeah, uh, they were a bit hesitant in case you might take them out or something, but they were like, "Oh, you have no worries. You come in for a run." But now that you might get a name around you, then. <laughs> You know, some tactics come into play and people only do run runs with certain people and so on. And it's a bit harder to work out people's tactics until race day, until they actually race them. And, yeah, it's become a bit more of a mind game now. Are there uh, some riders that play more mind games than others? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. You don't have to name that. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> not, not quite mind games, but just uh, what they do with, like, with their techniques now. Like, Thiago Les is the best at it. He's by far the best racer at the moment. He yeah. just... Each run um, that I noticed at Kozakov, he'll change you know, how his arms and hands are positioned and everything like that, trying to work out what's most aerodynamic, what can throw people off here and there, maybe stuff like that. It all just, like, yeah, it's definitely uh, shook me and made me take a different perspective on it and want to, you know, kind of learn from him and then yeah. try and beat him with his own tactics a bit. Yeah, I know, uh, I think, I think Thiago is from like the Misho school of racing where he does play, no, not mind games, but he doesn't give everything away. I remember Definitely. one year he was telling riders, oh, you know, I just do a bit of free riding and I haven't been doing much racing. Yeah. And then you ask his girlfriend and she says... He's out he's, the front, pushing he, up, and hill, up and down the hill every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I've, actually, I think I, I've heard a very similar, very, very similar story. Yeah. He uh, definitely tries to play it off like he doesn't train a lot, which... He shouldn't have to because everyone knows, like, to be the best, you've got to work the hardest. So yeah. it's, it's amazing how much time and effort he can really put into it. And yeah. it shows, like, he's dominated this year so well. So 2013 was, like, the year of the thirds for you, wasn't it? You just got third everywhere. Yeah. You went into the Philippines. Yeah. Third. Rolled through the Philippines, rolled uh, into Korea, another third. And uh, it didn't seem, didn't seem really like it was going to stop. It didn't actually stop all the way to the end of the season, but... Um, so what was that a, a Rung Hill final like? Um, oh, that was it was pretty cool. It was um, so the start was really difficult in 2017 because if you had the inside lane, you pretty much pushed into first because 
it went straight around the corner and then into a hairpin. So yeah, um, top qualifying there really helps. And uh, I think that year Aaron top qualified, but he didn't want to be out in front because he knew about the drafts. Yeah. So he let Maritz um, go to the inside. Maritz literally pushed over the hay bales every push, like a push in between the hay bales. They were that close to the track. And he stormed out in front. And uh, first corner, I slid and actually rammed Aaron from behind, but we both held it kind of thing. And I never forget Bassie saying, I don't know how he held onto that. And he was kind of not hoping I'd fall off, but maybe thinking that he might be able to swoop it there. Yeah. But yeah, the whole way down, um, Bassie was just right behind me the whole time. And I was right behind Aaron. And Aaron made a pretty amazing move around the outside, which no one ever took the line there because it was just super duper rough. Do you think he, would he have practiced that during the weekend? Definitely. Aaron, just coming back from Colorado and seeing the hills that they skate, the hills there are super rough. So, Aaron definitely would have been taking that line and working it out, and he would have been used to it because that's yeah. what they're used to. Um, so when the finals came, he just slingshotted straight over Maritz, went to the left-hand lane, and then took it off from there. And really deserving win, though, because Aaron was really working hard that year, and it really showed. Yeah. It was interesting. It was your video, wasn't it, that basically showed that how that race unfolded. That was your GoPro. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah 2017, I wore my GoPro every every heat, no matter what. Um Lots of people called me stupid for not having an aerial lid. Well, that was the next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really mind. Like, I still wear my GoPro even on my aerial lid. Um, I mean, I, do you think it affects anything? Oh, it, it definitely minuscule effect of making you slightly slower, but I think the footage is worth it. I think the footage makes it better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I look at it more in like a long-term thing of having all this footage compiled and putting yeah. it out there for the public to see. It's going to hopefully blow the sport up here and there a bit more and show showcase racing a bit better yeah but uh yeah it's really cool to see what the idf are doing now which is involving the top eight um it wants to make the top eight which are the semi-finals and the finals you must wear a gopro so mm. now they can grab footage from pretty much every race from now on and it's really good it makes the racing a lot cleaner it means everyone gets a fair go and yeah all that yeah lots of footage come out yeah no it's really good uh so after what were you racing with injuries um, like no, Ben in the wrong hill? Uh, not quite. My shoulder, it's been an ongoing thing since about 2015. When was the first time you did your shoulder? Um, I can trace it back to, I was actually at Benny's Benz. Um, Benny's Benz. Yeah, up in the Blue Mountains and uh, fell off there. What year a, was that? Uh, 20, yeah, 2015. 2015. It would have been my last year at school, I think. Okay. So yeah, and I fell off and just landed on it awkwardly and didn't think anything of it, kind of slinged it up, took some Panadols and kind of just went on with it yeah uh it wasn't until about a year later someone noticed that my top of the, my collarbone on this side was pretty much like a ski jump and whereas my left side of my shoulder was pretty normal and i think uh yeah broke the top of the collarbone and allowed the uh shoulder bracket to be more exposed so, so what was the first big crash you think like that really caused it yeah. issues um i can really wasn't in 2000 and what year like it's yeah. a couple of years ago yeah, definitely. Like 2016, I had maybe one issue with it, but I didn't think anything of it. It wasn't really yeah. a problem. But yeah, 2017 is where the problems really started to arise. I think I crashed at some one event in uh, in Europe. I think it might have been Straja in Romania, maybe. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, crashed there, and that's when I really tweaked it for the first time. And then it was just an ongoing issue throughout Europe and kind of rode with it, kind of strapped it up and... Uh, looked in the shoulder braces and just tried to hold it down. But yeah, 
kind of progressed a bit. So that European in 2017, you did Tiola third? Yeah, the podium. went back for redemption. Um, yeah, went, yeah, it was good. It was a good year. Uh, went there, got third. So far for the other rest of the season, didn't really get much else in Europe. Uh, the first event, which wasn't an idea, uh, the Strada race. Yeah. Which um, was actually a really amazing race to go to. It was six kilometers long, so it was a super wow. long race. Uh, and yeah, that's where I also got third, uh, Davis Lanham. It was his, like his first actual race overseas, and he actually won it. He took it out. <laughs> beat Sebastian Hurtler in the final corner, so that was amazing to see. But yeah, Tiola was the only idea podium hopped on in Europe, and it was again another third. I actually remember coming over the line, and Tony Graves was standing pretty much on the finish line, leaning over the barriers with three fingers up, <laughs> shouting at me third again, and kind of thought at that point should I just jump off and take fourth. <laughs> but yeah, I took third. Tiola is a really good event. The infrastructure is really great there, and yeah. they do a lot you know, for the riders, but it kind of went amiss that year. They took more into account for the roller skaters and the skaters got hanging in, hanging in the wind, so to say. Yeah. They're so, still doing the big screens and the... Yeah, the Jumbotron and all that's amazing. If, um, if you're what not... What do they do with that footage? Yeah, nothing, nothing really, I nothing ever comes it, from right? it. They, yeah. they posted some videos up online of like the finals and stuff like that, but they never really put a collection in. They could never... Yeah, they could make a really great top 64 bracket, but it's never really come to a fruition there. Yeah. So, um, uh, North America, did you do Canada or just North America? Uh, yeah, that so year you... there wasn't actually any Canadian races. Oh, okay. Um, so you didn't do Danger Bay or anything like that? No, the way Danger Bay works, it's usually in uh, May, yeah. I think, and it, that was the same time as Romania. Right. And to fly to Canada and then to Europe is a bit, it's a bit more cost, you know, yeah. a bit more costly, so... Pretty much, yeah, just went straight to Europe and skipped Danger Bay. I'd really like to go back. They didn't get to go there this year either, but, um, yeah, 2017, no Canadian races, just, uh, American races. There was meant to be one, uh, called Apex Mountain, but it actually got cancelled, so we flew into Canada and just chilled and looked about and waited for our Killington and all that to happen. So, uh, 2000, and, so what board are you on at this stage? 2017? 2017, I'm on a, Still my Rain Nexus, uh, same one actually, and wait, the actual same one or just the, another like the same? Oh, the same one I was riding the year before. It's like yeah. the exact same board. Yeah, the exact same board. Yeah, they <laughs> they, they last if you take care of them and yeah, you nice. know if you uh, don't smash them into cars yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, uh, at the time, I actually made in 2017, made a jump to Ronan Trucks. Okay. I made that jump uh, after the Asia Tour, I think. Fred like recognized like that might have something going for me maybe and yep. decided to put me on the team and that was a real big leap forward like are you still on Ronan trucks still on Ronan like amazing so, what, so have you had the same Ronan setup um when Fred put me on he actually just released the new Katanas oh. so I hopped on them and they were a 144 millimeter truck and yeah I was shocked I was like I hope I can get used to 144 millimeter and um, yeah, he just chucked me on and I dialed them in pretty much instantly. They're amazing trucks to work with. So you have the same front and back base plate? Uh, no, yes. I, uh, have a split degree, so 25-45. Okay. Um, yeah, again, that was a lower degree in the back, but it really helps with leaning corners and stuff, I find. Uh, the grip is, it's amazing. Coming from a, a truck that's designed like an old school truck, it's designed like a Randall to yeah. a Ronin, which is really designed to be pretty much like a race car under your feet. It, yeah turns with the front and the back just wants to follow and track yeah. with it. It's really amazing setup. 
And are you on your like your new wheels at this stage? Are you testing wheels? Uh, I was testing them, yeah, in Asia. I had a couple of tests and I gave some to my brother and he tested them and told me what he liked to get other people's perspectives on them. And yeah, so, so if uh, people don't know this, we're talking about the yeah. DUI wheel. This is the roof? Yeah, this is the DUI roof. At the time, the, the name DUI was there, but not quite the name for the wheels, so that, that kind of came later. But yeah, at the time, it was going to be my own kind of wheel. I've, I tested them for probably three months in Australia beforehand. Okay. Just testing different factories, different shapes. So when that, that was before Asia or after Asia? Uh, that was before. So I was testing them right around Newton's actually. Okay. I actually right. had protos at Newton's, but didn't really want to get them out at Newton's to kind of show everyone what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> so to say, it was, yeah, I uh, had protos there, but I wasn't super confident in them. They weren't the right size and right shape that I wanted. So I was using them in the lead up, but... Yeah, at Newton's, I left them aside, so no one really knew what was going on. And then, uh, yeah, in Asia, tested them out, took them down some practice runs, but they weren't fresh, so I couldn't really race on them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then, when... Did you ever race on protos, or or did you wait for the production wheel to come out? Pretty much, I didn't race on protos, but I rode all the Philippines tracks, yeah. uh, the Philippines tracks and the Korean tracks on protos. But, yeah, like I said, they weren't fresh. And when it comes down to racing, fresh wheels versus scrub wheels, just the amount of difference it makes is amazing. So I probably wasn't going to race in the scrubby, so I just stuck to what I knew and raced yeah. some fresh wheels, and it worked out pretty well. So when did those productions come out? Were they, was that the end of 2017? Uh, no, it was actually midway through. It was about May. It was just before Europe. And um, okay. kind of wanted to keep it a surprise and semi-shock everyone, and no one knew what was going on, only... Certain people knew. I don't even think half the uh, little Bathurst skateboard crew knew. <laughs> so, um, yeah, kept a surprise. And so, did you have them at Teola? Yeah, yeah. I raced on them all through Europe and oh, okay, all right. through America. And, yeah, they performed perfectly. They performed exactly what I wanted. I wanted this really nice, grippy wheel that had a really hard kick out. So, when you had them fresh, they really stuck to the road. But then, once you broke them in, you could kind of free ride them down a bit and everything and enjoy them. Okay, so it's, they've like got a dual purpose. You can like race on them and use the scrubbed ones for Definitely. free riding. Yeah, at the yeah, okay. cool. at the time, um, I tried some other ones, and then I just said to the factory, why don't we cut both the lips? So rather than having a molded lip on the outside, they've got two cut lips, which makes them really grippy. Um, so when you actually slide them for the first time, you can hear the outside lips just pretty much tearing tearing the road to bits because they're just trying to grab it so hard. Um yeah, and that's just why. So, how how do you make a wheel? Like, as in, did you did you know what sort of wheels? Because I mean, you'd been yeah. riding orangutans. Did yeah. you test other wheels that yeah, you yeah. liked? Or? I, yeah, I rode orangutans um, for most of 2016. Then 2017, I hopped on some face skates. Oh yeah, um, hopped on them. Only dislike I didn't have about them is they weren't big enough. They're only 72 mil tall, and they didn't have a very big core. Yeah, so I didn't find the acceleration was all there. So I tried them out, and then I went back to some rads that I had, tested them out a bit, tried some cannibals. I took kind of tried to take aspects from all the wheels that I had and tried to push it into one. So I knew I wanted a big wide wheel that's about 75 mil tall, and I reached out to a factory, and they could produce that wheel, and it was just a matter of finding the right urethane that worked. Okay. Yeah. And how long did it take the urethane? Did you just try different sort of yeah, stuff? it takes a while from America. Are you still testing for me? Are you still yeah. testing for me? Yeah, definitely. I'm actually in 
testing of a freeride wheel at the moment. Okay. Trying to work that out because I've found the Australian scene, as much as we like downhill, the freeride scene definitely dominates here. So yeah. getting a freeride wheel out there is the major key. But going back and forth with American factories just takes forever because of shipping and yeah, yeah, yeah. communication back and forth. So it took about four months for me to land on a formula that I really liked and okay. was going to produce. Oh. And... Um so that year you, I think you finished up at Killington and, wait. Yeah. Kozakov, it came, it came ninth in Kozakov. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, Kozakov. So that uh, was after Tiolo, before Tiolo. Uh, that was before Tiolo. Yep, okay. Um, yeah, Kozakov was a funny one. I really liked it. First year I qualified 50th or something like that. Had a shocker. I just wasn't, it's kind of like a Mary Hill kind of track. You've got to go there over and over to learn the lines. Yeah. So, 2017, I went there with a different mindset, new trucks, had them dialed in and yeah, qualified really well. Qualified at eighth, I think it was 001 behind Brennan Bass, so I was pretty stoked with that. <laughs> uh, and then come race time, got through all my hates pretty well and came to a, a quarterfinals heat I had with uh, Alex Charleston and Marcus Skoda and Giorgio Grino, a really good Italian rider. Yep. And uh, coming into the last corner, I was in fourth, about to make a perfect... Everyone was lined up in front of me. It was going to be a perfect triple draft of the finish, maybe get in first. Didn't mind if we got in second. That was enough to get through the semis. And Alex lost it in the last corner, and his board shot out in front of me and no. hit the bales at about 85 and uh, flew over them about 20 feet into the field behind and missed it. I looked at the GoPro footage, missed a tree by, I don't know, half a metre and uh, knocked myself out for a couple of seconds. <laughs> So that was, yeah, that was pretty interesting. I really think I could have done better and possibly made the finals, but I was really stoked with how I did it because of that year. And, yeah. And, uh, so, and then you did Killington later in the year. Yep. Um, and like, what was it like going back to these events with your wheel? Because you were on your production wheel. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a different thing. So yeah, going to, like tracks like Kozakov, which is, which is very, uh, how do you say, it? it's more of a rider-based track. Mm. Getting over the track's one thing, but then going faster is all comes down to how the rider rides it. The track doesn't change too much. Yeah. So going there with the different wheels and different truck combo, it really made a difference. It showed in qualifying times and all that. Same thing with Killington. Definitely down straight away, having the wider contact patch helps over all the cracks and the bumps and the roughness that they have there at Killington. And then the stopping power in the corner was uh, it was amazing. I didn't have to drift nearly half as long as I was the year before, so it was really cool to like ride wheels that I've been testing and then put them to tracks like you just said that I've been to before and seeing how they compared in previous years. And I just really loved working with them. Mm. So that year, what? So even though you got all those thirds, you end up fourth. Yeah, I was coming into the last race in uh, second, just behind Carlos, I think it was, and I think. The stats at the time were I had to make finals. I had to make finals. Carlos had to not make finals. And Thiago had to not make finals also for me to win. Yeah. So it wasn't quite in my favor, but I thought, you know, it, this could work out. This could go well, maybe. Um, Carlos ended up having a bad crash in practice and really affected how he was going to race. He lost a big chunk of his uh, ankle at the time and really couldn't push off the line that well so his racing was wasn't looking that great and it looked like a time where I could possibly capitalize on that and didn't really work out 
in all my favour. I kind of blew the drift corner at Killington in my quarterfinal heat and allowed to get passed through there and, yeah, didn't make it through the quarters and Aaron Hampshire actually came through, came fourth in the final as well and that just bumped him up just in front of me and he took out the third position so I had to settle for fourth overall of the year. So, was Ki- I can't remember, was Killington the last race of the yeah, year? Yeah, that was the deciding race. That's, um, um, I think so, if you had won Killington, would you have won the World Championship? Um, if I had won or if I'd placed second or third and both the Brazilians, Carlos and Thiago, had have not made the finals, okay. I think it, that's how the points would have worked out. Yeah. Um, but so, then, mathematically. Mathema- mathematically. <laughs> Everyone want to be a mathematical Yeah, chance. definitely. In with a shot, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can never really count on Brazilians <laughs> not making the finals because Carlos and Thiago are just finals machines and they, they yeah. just always seem to be in them. But uh, yeah, that was the year that Thiago took the world championship and um, shot himself in for first, really. Yeah. And, I mean, so, you, I mean, you scrubbed out in the, the semis or whatever you said. Yeah, in the thing. quarters, yeah. I mean, what was that like, hitting the hay bales and just going, damn, no, this season? No, was actually the worst part. I didn't even hit the hay bales. I uh, <laughs> just scrubbed and kind of rode all the way to the hay bales. And I had that moment of like, okay, we could almost hold this and then just get past just out of the corner ever so slowly. And, yeah, kind of watching it, you know, fade away <laughs> in the distance kind of, kind of thing. But um, it kind of taught me, like, a fair bit about racing, like, I don't know, 2017, I didn't have more of a race mindset. I had more of a go hard, go home kind of okay, yeah. crash yourself out or win kind of thing. Yeah. And although that works for some people, I don't think, I don't know, that's a very good way of preserving your uh, race career or whatever. I was always looking for first where I should just be looking for seconds just to get myself through the final or stuff like that, settle for second. And so were you this. carrying an injury at this stage? Um, yeah, my shoulder was still playing up, but Killington didn't really affect it being a left drift, so I was only using my left hand. Okay. Um, so my right hand was, it was all good there, and right shoulder stayed as it should in that one, but um, yeah, it's, it hasn't really uh, affected me until, yeah, this season was the main season where it uh, came into play as much. Yeah. So for 2018, uh, well, you did New Zealand? Yeah, went back to Kaikoura, my... Uh, Got a second? I uh, got a third, actually. Got a third, Yeah, I got, got pips, so coming down like the straightaway, I knew Josh was right behind me and was probably going to make a pass, and he did. And I don't know, I just had a mental snap or something like that and left the door open for Taylor Cook to come down the inside, little oh, Taylor Cook. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, it was kind of funny because the whole of the 2017 season, he was uh, racing against me and not racing against me, but, like, we were doing runs together and it was always get to the bottom, like, oh, I was this close to getting you that run, and... When he finally got me in a race seat, I think he was pretty stoked about that one. <laughs> so, is Josh your new Tyrone? It's like, it seems to be you and Josh been battling it out. This yeah, year definitely. Um, yeah, like, the first real battle was, uh, yeah, Kaikoura. That really started off the year being in January also, so it was really started this year and really showed how good Josh, like, is. He's really coming to his element more so this year. Uh, he's been doing more work. Definitely. He's been training harder than most and everything like that. He came off an injury in 2016, so 2016 season was pretty much a wash. 2017, he was getting back into the groove. You could see it at races. He had, like, the talent and everything to get into the finals, but I don't know, the racing just didn't pan out for him as well. Yeah. So, but 2018, that's when he just kind of came into his snap. And, yeah, like you said, kind of going back to, like, a me and Tyrone situation of uh, just back yeah, and forth back racing. And, and, yeah, so I raced him at uh, Kokura and then... Then tamed the Taipan. Ta- ta- went up tamed the Taipan and... Uh, what was that like? Oh, that track, it's kind of, 
It's kind of like Newton's, but with drifts. Okay. So it's just a really steep track where you accelerate super quick. Um, pretty narrow, and yeah, you just got to... That's, that's actually kind of one of the races where you got to go hard or go home kind of thing. Right. And in that race, yeah, Josh uh, just sent it straight past me in one of the drifts and held onto it and coasted to victory, which was super good to see, though, because being at home, like being in Bathurst when he's been queen, so never got to see how hard he works. Yeah. Then going up there and seeing how hard he works and seeing how the community supports him and knows how hard he works as well. Yeah. Seeing that support and everything, like, really deserved that win. Yeah. And so you're, what board are you on now? Um, yes. So I went up to Canada end of 2017 season. Yeah. Just went up there for just to play around kind of thing. Just, you know, have a little bit of a holiday at the end of the trip kind of thing. And uh, Rain Longboards, their factories in Vancouver. Yep. So I was speaking to Graham and he was asking me how the season is and all that in 2017 and asked me how, like, uh, what boards people are riding, what we like, why I made my wheels and all this. And yeah. we got talking and he's like, where do you think it's going? I'm like, everyone's going to mini boards. Everyone's going to these boards that are 30 inches long, shorter than a skateboard and yeah. putting tiny trucks on them. And he's like, okay, come to the factory. And we made up a board like that. And I've been riding it pretty much for a year and a half now. And, um, recently it's come into production. So it's going to come out with rain soon. Really? Um, so that should be something to look for, but, uh, Has it got a name yet. Yeah, it's uh, called the Genesis 30, okay. uh, but both me and Dane Hanna worked worked on it, gave our, got some protos here and there and gave our feedback of what we wanted, so it's going to come under the Genesis 30, but hopefully me and Dane can get a bit of recognition on that one. Um, so what's the concave like? Is it like a mellow or have it got W? Oh, it's, yeah, it's designed to be a race board, so it's got everything that like, will lock you in, so um, okay. if people are like, familiar with the Genesis, it's kind of like that, just on a smaller scale, bit of a more a shape to it kind of thing, it's about 9 inches wide, 30 inches long, it's designed to accommodate trucks that are 114 millimeter wide. And uh, wheels, what sort of, what size wheel, you can put big wheels on it. Right? Yeah, it's got um, flares in it, not so much wheel wells, but more so flares, flares. Yeah. so you can really fit you know, wheels that are up to 80 mil tall without any troubles. Um, so yeah, that's going to come in. I actually just picked up that board in Colorado before I came home and love it. It's really got some nice graphics on it. And, yeah. So are you still writing the proto or have you got the um, early uh, production? I've got the early production. Okay. Uh, the proto I actually gave to my brother. It's funny, uh, Tim gets, who's older than me, he's 30. He gets pretty much all my handy downs kind of thing. He gets my old board. <laughs> he's riding someone else's old trucks and he obviously rides my wheels and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, he has it at the moment. He actually took it up to Canada and the airline lost it for about a week. So I was pretty oh, angry with him. I was like, look, I've been racing that board for a year and it's the proto board. If they lose it, I'll be pretty distraught. But they found it, so that's what all that matters there. Do you keep all your old boards? Yeah, I try to. Um, there's lots of new people in Bathurst getting into the sport and they sometimes go into my house and show me their setup. And, you know, sometimes when you see people set up and you ask them what they're going to do with this, they say, yeah, I'm going to go and try go down the mount on it or something like that. And you I'd have to pull them into the shed and give them one of my old boards and set them up with some trucks or something like that. So definitely have a lot of my old boards, but it's cool to see some of them out there still being ridden by other people who are just getting into the sport. Yeah. So um, your wheel, so you started off 2018, you're still on the, 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 the wheels hadn't changed? No, the wheels hadn't changed. I really liked them for the 2017 season. 2018 uh, was a bit more of a turning point for me. More wheels came out, like Venom Magnums and yeah. Alphas and stuff like that. 
and having tried them really put into perspective of what I should update and everything. And I think it's good because you shouldn't stick with the same wheel forever and ever. That's pretty much how you get left behind. So yeah, we're going to update the wheels. Definitely keep the ruse out there as more of a, you know, your normal kind of race wheel that anyone can ride. They're kind of forgiving. Yep. But hoping to release, yeah, a bigger, better wheel that has a bit more snap in it and everything like that. Yeah. Because I mean, Harry made this point in the last podcast where he said, well, I'm a racer, so, okay, I have a sponsor, yeah. but my sponsor's wheels you know, yeah, exactly. aren't keeping up. So, I mean, does that come into play? I mean, you are yeah, a yeah. racer, so, I mean... Definitely. I mean, if we take away that it's your brand, brand yeah, yeah. it's your sponsor in a way. Definitely, yeah. Do I, you yeah, I'd still definitely ride Magnums or something if you're to keep up with everyone or nah. not? The Magnums are good in some aspects, but everything has its drawbacks. Yeah, sure. And I find that, like, most of the time, because I rode the Protos when Zach had them in 2017 and did like them. I like the roll speed because how tall they are. But they did have their drawbacks of just what you're not used to kind of thing. So I've been trying to tweak them, tweak, tweak my wheels, urethane, to get similar, similar results, but in my own kind of way because I find they don't ride exactly how I want them to ride. Okay. And hearing feedback from other people who have experienced wheels similar that say, like, sometimes you don't need all this beef on the road, sometimes it works in a different way. I'm interested to try and release wheels that come in three different width sizes and stuff like that. So, you know, okay, certain tracks can go for that. But, yeah, we were giving Harry a lot of, a lot of shtick in um, Asia Tour when he was on these, uh, when he was still riding for orangutan. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're all kind of just laughing at him when he wasn't gripping corners and then we put him on some grippy wheels and just go straight around the corner. <laughs> so developing a new wheel, like going forward yep. with the things, is it the shape or is it the size or is it the formula or is it all three that you're definitely going to tweak? tweak all of them. That's actually all four. I'm even going to tweak the core, oh, okay. the core um, to go with a bigger wheel. You obviously need a more supportive core had protos that were a bigger wheel, similar core size, and the core just didn't support them. Mm. So I think the first thing that comes first, you've got to start from where the bearings sit, which is the core. So you're going to have to play around with that. Uh, it's not a cheap task, but find the right core, and then you just put the urethane around it. It usually works. But as for urethane, the urethane I'm with now is it's really good urethane. Okay. It's higher rebound, but it's not overly slippery if you put it like two sideways too hard. So, gonna is stick it your urethane? Have you got a name for it? Um, it's just you... the Rue urethane, yeah. Okay. I haven't, I haven't quite got a actually like proprietary name yeah. for it or anything like okay. that. But um, yeah, it's just I like the urethane because you can do anything with it. You can race on it to start with, and then sure. once you break them in, you can free ride them. So it's interesting that, like, you know, in the top five skaters at the moment, so both you and Thiago, yeah. you both have your own wheel brand yeah. and you both developed a fast wheel. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you guys get lucky or, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these companies spend years and years developing wheels. Definitely. You guys have both hit pretty good wheels. Yeah, I think in Thiago's case, is pretty similar to my case. You saw a, like a flaw maybe in wheels and how he could, he could produce them better. And also the Brazilian market, um, I think at the time was pretty similar to the Australian market. The wheels weren't coming in cheap enough or whatever. So he tried to, he wanted to bring them in cheaper than he could. Um, 
And so he's, yeah, he struck gold on his wheel and it really works for his style of skating. That's the main thing that I think um, a lot of people like don't look at when they say like, oh, this certain wheel is the best wheel. It's the best wheel for most people. Like, But when it comes down to certain people's style of skating, that's when it, they really advance. So if Thiago, he probably put in just as much time as I did, if not more, seeing how Thiago goes about everything, um, and produce this wheel that just really works with his style. You can put anyone else on it, it'll really excel them. Mm. Similar, yeah, similar thing to my wheel, similar thing to Venom Magnums. Every top wheel at the moment is produced. You can really see who's produced the wheel. So okay. the Magnums are being produced by Zach, and his style is very blasty and yeah. you go as hard as you can. And then you've got Aaron's uh, Alphas that he helped design, and they've come through as a really fast wheel with a massive core in them. The urethane isn't as grippy as others, but the edge grip holds you really well, and that's Aaron's style. He loves to snap his slides back and hold the urethane. And yeah, that's just how you see it. And are you allowed to... Are there IDF rules regarding prototype wheels? No, there's actually not many rules in the IDF about wheels at the moment. I think they should introduce some maybe that promotes, I don't know, more growth. Kind of look at, you know race cars and stuff like that mm. they have a certain wheel budget for the weekend they can only use so many during qualifying and oh, during yeah. their actual racing okay so at the moment it, i remember in 2016 17 when i was buying wheels it really sucked going up against people that had wheel sponsors or or in companies and stuff like that they could just put on freshies every heat not really care about it as much where you've got to be like okay, i'm putting 80 dollar wheels on now this is 80 dollars i'm about to throw down the hill and they they won't be worth anything after this run kind of thing um so I think the idea... How would you police that, though? It'd be hard. You'd have to... I don't know. The IDF would have to get a certain marker or something like that, and you'd have to bring the wheels during Rego maybe, and yeah. mark them up or something. But um, as for prototype wheels, no, there's no real... Yeah, there's no real uh, law about what they can, can and can't prototype. People have been prototyping some pretty pretty funny decks this year, like really sharp decks that might be dangerous, but yeah, there's no laws about that either. So I think anything really goes at the moment. So are you on prototypes now or are you on not currently no i did have prototypes that i got before europe and i was planning to bring them to europe yeah but they just didn't perform as well they were quick in a straight line but half the battles in the corners and then sure. that's where they really really lacked their uh, grip and their sna- like snappiness so i decided to just leave them at home it was just extra weight not worth bringing and do you have a timetable of when you're expecting new wheels or when you'd like to have new wheels and so forth um definitely hoping to have them out you know mid-summer this year kind of thing but the way it is with like getting back and forth from factories if you don't like something you want to tweak it then that takes two or three weeks and it yep. comes in the time frame sometimes can line up if you'd lend on the urethane and the shape and everything the first time around but yeah at the moment i'm just chasing new companies to see what they have going to companies that aren't producing wheels for anyone else seeing if you can get this special variety of wheel it all depends at the time as well um recently finding out that wheels could be two duros higher or lower than what you actually they are marked as so that's another thing getting real good quality control on wheels because in the past i've definitely helped on one set of wheels and then another set of wheels and i thought they were completely different wheels but they were marked the exact same but sometimes how they're poured can affect how hard or soft they are and everything like that yeah, I remember in 2009 that um, Kevin, before up at Newton's, he went through all my orangutan wheels and yeah. picked out certain 
what he thought were productions that he thought were truer duos than yeah, others. Yeah, what they actually were, yeah. What they actually were, so... Yeah, it's um, still the same. You'll get people that are, will bounce them on the road and stuff like that to test them out. and it's, it's gotten better, I think. I think as the technologies come forward and everything like that, it's easier for the manufacturer to produce a wheel that's all the same mm-hmm. all the time. But I definitely want to... <laughs> want to try a company that can just 100% produce you the same wheel because sometimes I've had people hop on even my wheels and say they were a bit slipperier than what I thought or they were a bit grippier than what I thought and then you give them another set and they come back with a completely different thing saying oh these ones were grippier than what you thought or something like that and it's the same out there with slide wheels and everything every kind of wheel can be different so I think the main thing I want to get is obviously a different kind of race wheel but getting everyone on the same wheel. So I think at the moment, depending how wheels are shipped places and stuff like that, the batch can come out differently and right. you end up with a different wheel. So do you think we'll see a free ride wheel first or a new race wheel first? Um, definitely want to get a free ride wheel out first. Okay. Coming into summer, everyone you know wants to skate again and wants to go out and do massive standees and all that. Uh, what kind of free ride wheel it's going to be, not too sure. I really want to, really want to go back to like a 2012 kind of thing where you just paint the road with lines and everything like that yeah. slide jam kind of wheels yep. but at the same time I want a higher performance wheel that will just last and you know won't wear out and you can just ride it pretty much endlessly and you know six months time you have to buy another one kind of thing That's, and are you going to stick with your white like um, orange core or are you going to go with different colours or definitely I'm decided yeah so definitely always sticking with the white colour I think okay. I find white is as close to true urethane colour Okay. Once you start adding too many dyes, that really changes the urethane, like how it lays up and everything. Might change the core colors to, you know, correspond with different urethanes or different uh, geometers and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, have you got names picked out? You don't have to say what they are. Um, not really. I knew. How if do you I, pick a name? I'm probably going to stick with the Australian kind of thing and just okay. look up uh, animal names or something like that, or I don't know some bogan sling that we might have laying around. <laughs> okay. Look forward to that. Yeah. So 2008, so this year, Newton's, it wasn't as successful as the year before. No. Um, do you think, I mean, we had Brazilians, I mean, that yeah, was yeah. tough. Yeah, it was. Do you think the racing was harder this year? Or? Definitely, the racing in 2017 was hard. This year was just as hard, but there was a lot more people at that level. Yeah. So breaking into, I don't know, the semis, the top eight or whatever, was going to be a lot harder than last year. Do you think having the event after the 12 hour affected the road? Like, do you think it was slipperier? Or? No, I didn't find it too much slippery. It was definitely, I think it was hotter than last year. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, 2017. I think that may affect it, but it really wasn't too different. The people were saying they were getting rubber on the wheels. Uh, I did find it was a bit more rubber, but it didn't really affect how, how the road skated and everything. Um, this year, I found a lot of people were gripping it a lot easier, a lot less foot braking, um, a lot more slides actually this year, a lot more people doing slides in the corner, which I think uh, it's an interesting tactic. I don't know if I'd, if I'd do it you know, in qualifying or something, maybe in a race seat if it's tight. Yeah. But, uh, so 13th, and then you went in over to, um, you did well in the Philippines? Uh, in the yeah. seaside race, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... Keeping it high or fifth and then... Yeah, the Moonrock one. Moon, I, yeah, Moonrock. I pretty much threw that one away. I, um, so after the seaside race, we went and stayed at uh, Jaime's Beach House, which was really nice. And 
we tried to eat some local food and it didn't really agree with mine, <laughs> mine or my brother's stomach and we were bed bound for, uh, three. Really? Yeah. Over. So between the races, there was, I think four days Yeah. between the races and for those three days, we were pretty much bed bound. Um, we did one practice run on the practice day so I could actually just work out the track and then qualifying day, I think I did a warm up run and then one qualifying run. And then on the race day, I just turned up and re- tried to race straight away. I didn't really do any. So sick runs. and injured as well? Um, no, shoulder wasn't playing too much of an issue there. That track, it had one toe side drift in it, but injury wasn't so much. It was definitely just sickness, like so dehydrated in the Philippines, you just sweat constantly. So it's really hard to get water to stay inside when you're sick and just sweating. And that was really hard. But, um, yeah, it was a bummer that couldn't do well at that race. Hopefully it happens next year so I can have a proper crack at it and see how well we go. And it rained at Arang Hill, so, I mean, that completely changed the event from the previous year. Yeah. Do you... What sort of rain wheels? Do you cut rain wheels? Or yeah. Do you, have a, do you have a different wheel or the same wheel? Um, yeah, so I just use the, the Ruse. I find the urethane works really, really well in the rain. Is it a high rebound formula? A higher rebound, yeah. Yeah. So it definitely uh, holds up a lot better... When you're sliding and everything, you can do a lot more runs on it before it's worn out. But some other high rebound wheels, not all, but some really don't perform well in the rain. So some people have to switch out to a Magnum. Yeah, yeah, Magnum's really. They did really struggle in the rain there. I think the wide contact patch and just the urethane didn't like doesn't like rain. So people had to switch out to different wheels. Um, I think the night before, Brennan Bass cut like 50 rain yeah, wheels or something crazy. like that. Yeah. yeah. Something ridiculous, but um, I came prepared because you never leave home without rain wheels. It's just a thing. Do you cut your own rain wheels? Yeah, yeah, just cut them at home. Got like a little uh, ghetto lathe set up going, so just cut them on a drill. And Do you have your own pattern? or? Um, not really. I just cut about four grooves across and then little grooves in between all those grooves. So it's, it's probably more grooves than wheel left on the thing, but um, they work really well. I'd be interested to try different patterns, different shapes and stuff like that. But yeah, no, try and get something like a half angle wheel maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Europe. Yeah. Breakthrough event. Transylvania. Yeah. yeah that was really, uh, really good event. Like we already were in Transylvania. It was uh, rain again. Yeah. No, it rained pretty much all the season. So Newton's had only rained for like an hour, I think. And then it dried up. So that wasn't yeah. a rain event, but, uh, not keeping it. Hi, Moonrock, it rained for half a day. Um, so that was, you could call that a rain event. Ararang, it rained. Vulcan, it rained. And I think every other event in Europe had a bit of rain going on it. So a lot of the events this year had rain. But uh, yeah, we already were in Vulcan for a week before and at another event. So it rained all that event as well. So we were kind of used to it. And then when it came time for Vulcan, we were kind of hoping for some sunshine, which we got for about three or four hours. And that road is amazing. That road is, it's definitely not above the level we're at now with racing, but it, if there was ever another level of racing to come in the future, that would be the track you think of first kind of thing. Right. It's just so quick and the slides are huge and it's perfect pavement. It's, it's really amazing how the road even exists there. But um, yeah, we got to skate that dry and it was really, really, really fast. And then we got to skate in the wet, and it was still really, really fast. It was about 100 in the wet. So, yeah. Do you carry just one set of rain wheels? Or? Um, yeah, so at, at uh, Vulcan, I only have one set. And for the qualifying day, it was wet and then dried up later in the day. 
So everyone's times were dropping every run, and it was kind of like, do you put rain wheels on this run, or do you yeah. put freshies on kind of thing? And I rode my rain wheels down for one run when it was half, when well, it was patchy, and after that run, the grooves were gone, the wheel was pretty much flat again kind really? of thing. It just wore, it wears wheels out of that road, and only having so much contact patch on the road just wore it out even quicker. So I had to uh, go back, I think it was up till about 2 a.m. that night, cutting rain wheels. I think I cut about four rain wheels for the rest of the, four sets of rain wheels for the rest of the trip. I was like, if I'm doing it now, I'm not doing it again. So I cut them and I think everyone else, we had an Airbnb, I think everyone else in the house um, cut rain wheels. So we probably cut about 50 sets of rain wheels again. Took inspiration from uh, Bassey again on that one. And then, How yeah. did you cut them when you're on tour? Yeah, we uh, jacked the car up. We got the rental car and stuck two jacks under it and it was front wheel drive. So we jacked up the front end and just had someone sit there for about two hours leaning over it while the wheels spun it around. It was pretty scary because if the car tipped at all, you'd be, yeah, you'd be stuck gone. underneath it. When you have rain wheels in an event, like say in Transylvania, yeah. how important is it have a fresh set of rain wheels? Does it make... Is oh. it, does it make a difference? Well, the difference. I remember racing some people that rode the, uh, their rain wheels in qualifying, and they yeah. were kind of worn out. The grooves were pretty much gone. First thing, my rain wheels, say, or fresh rain wheels. And down the straightaway, they were so much slower because they had much more wheel hitting these puddles and slowing them down. Okay. Whereas we had a narrow contact patch wheel with grooves all through them, so you cut through them a lot easier. So not only were they slower, they had less grip in the corners as well because they didn't have all these grooves slowing them down. So... Now that I've learned that, I probably will carry a couple of sets of rain wheels with me because having fresh rain wheels, is, it's like having fresh wheels on a normal racetrack. Right. It's, yeah, well different. So how do you win at Transylvania? How did, how did that race go down? <laughs> Horrible, actually. <laughs> Went down really bad. Uh, first heat, I had a heat with uh, Max Heaton and a couple other blokes. And on the push, I just tried to push out so hard and I pushed myself in the first, but in the making, uh, I popped my shoulder out. I put, popped uh, it out on the push, so it was just dangling as I'm trying to tuck. And the first corner is a right-hand drift, which involves my right shoulder, which was popped out. Um, went to put it down, obviously I had nothing, so I just fell off, crashed in the bales, got up, took about, I don't know, it's like 10 seconds or so to try and put it back in. And I thought I put it back in properly, but uh, I was like, oh, well, it's kind of in. And pushed off and then noticed that I lost one of my pucks in that crash as well. Looked, nothing was going my way this time. And uh, went around the next corner. It was a, luckily a left-hand drift, so I had that puck on, thankfully. And um, Max Heaton had crashed, and he was—I thought he was hurt, so I actually shut down, slid, and was going to go help him. Like, look, me and him are out, so there's no point in going down the track. Yeah. And he turns around and yells at me. It turns out he was swearing at his board. He was that angry that he crashed in that corner for some reason. He stopped and was swearing at his skateboard, and uh, and he's like, "You go down," and I couldn't go down because I didn't have a puck and I, he's like take mine chucked me his puck it was kind of a movie scene almost and um <laughs> so i pushed off and ended up passing another guy that crashed further down the track and got myself in a second and luckily got through that heat unbelievable um is that the luckiest heat you've ever been oh, in? it must be i couldn't believe it when when i saw max was down and the, the two other guys were nowhere to be seen i was like well me and him are out there's no point going we've down seen there. so much of that this year haven't we that just yeah, don't give up exactly yeah like just anything can happen. Yeah, the uh, the best one to look at is Harry Clark, probably uh, just constantly getting on the podium yeah. because other people have just stuffed it up at the finish line, really. Yeah. But um, that's the best thing I learned from those. Pretty much don't give up, but at the time, having a popped-out shoulder, pretty much, and no puck, I was like, yeah, it's time to throw the towel in. But I got to the bottom, and 
I went to take my leathers off and it actually re-dislocated my shoulder. Uh, it wasn't fully in, so it was kind of hang. It was in the in-between zone. Yeah. Uh, so I rode the rest of the track with a popped-out shoulder and got to the bottom, had to hang it over a guardrail and just Jimmy rig it back in. <laughs> and then uh, Jimmy rig and shoulder shouldn't. Really yeah, it really shouldn't go together. Yeah, I've had to do a lot, that, a lot of that this season, but. Um, then the next heat didn't go to plan either. Me and Alex Charleston got tangled up in the first corner. He slid straight in the back of me and we crashed and we both had to get up and pass the next two blokes again. So didn't get didn't get through the first two rounds pretty well, but the rest of it was pretty much a breeze. So that was a bonus. So you're pushing for, say, for the final. Did you just yeah. push out in front or? Yeah. I um, In the semis, I my goal is usually to always push out in front in my heat and see what happens better than not usually I end up staying in front yeah but in the semis uh Harry had the inside lane and Ian Ferrari who has one of the best pushers at the moment uh they both just pushed out in front of me so I had to settle for third and had to follow them all the way down and I couldn't really get past Ian until he crashed the finish line and I crashed over him and got up and just got over the finish line and then in the finals I was like okay Harry's gonna try and push out in front so I gotta really be that so for about 20 metres, me and Harry are just pushing side by side in the final and giving it, giving each other our all kind of thing. And, um, yeah, we, I pushed into front and into first and just stayed in first. I um, didn't really ever look back and, yeah, just tried to stay in front. And, it, and what it was that last corner like? Oh, like amazing. How big is that slide? Oh, it's huge. You come around, it's like a long lefty, a long flat lefty, and it dips into a righty. And in the dry, you just slide like a little slide left and a little slide right. In the wet, it's a... It's a massive slide, probably, I don't know, 20 meter slide, just, and you go curl it all the way around and then another right drift. And, uh, I remember coming into that corner and just seeing everyone, all the Aussie boys didn't, didn't know what to say and everything. Like, yeah, it was pretty funny because we had, uh, we had a God rule this year. So if you won a race or top qualified, you got to hand out a God rule for the rest of the Australians to follow. <laughs> um, so Harry top qualified, so he got to hand out a God rule straight away. And then he, uh, then I won the race and got to overrule his god rule hand at my god rule. But uh, it was pretty funny seeing them all come around. I don't know if they're yelling at me in celebration or yelling at me like, oh, fuck, he's going to hand out a pretty shit god rule here. <laughs> Were there many god rules that, that tour? Uh, actually, my one stuck for the rest of the tour because no one else took qualified or won a race. So it, it stayed in play the whole tour. It was pretty funny. What was the god rule? Uh, I don't know if I should discuss it. Okay. The boys would be pretty sad. Okay. <laughs> we'll just leave what goes on to it stays on to it. So, uh, did that, I mean, that that's some pretty gnarly injuries. So, did that affect the rest of Europe? Definitely, you, yeah. Racing? It, um, the first, like, uh, leading up to that through Asia, it was, my shoulder was pretty much fine. Coming home, it's been fine. And then the first event, which was the Stradra race before the Vulcan race, it probably dislocated two or three times. The sublax probably a lot more. And it's the first real time it's dislocated while I've been sliding. Usually, if it comes out, it's because I've crashed and hit it or something like that. But it's the first time I've done a toe side pre drift and it's popped out and sent me off crashing. And it kind of played in the back of my mind through the rest of the races, even Vulcan and more so Kozakov and everything like that that, I don't know, my shoulder could go at any minute now. So rather than focusing on hitting apexes or, you know, racing to my full standard, I was not more focusing, but I definitely focused a little bit on keeping my shoulder intact and trying to keep a certain position so it wouldn't come out. So, yeah, it affected me a little bit, but I tried not to let it weigh on my mind too much. But 
as it progressed and as it started to pop out more, I was a bit more worried about open road skating more so than than uh, tracks because on a close track, if you crash, it's into a hay bale. Yeah. Worst thing that happens is someone else hits you, but on open road, I was more worried if it comes out, I go underneath the car or something like that. So, yeah. I don't know. Throughout Europe, I was really contemplating like doing the rest of the American tour or getting it fixed. And mum um, and dad were actually in Europe and they said, look, we'll go home. We'll see how quickly you can get into a surgeon and get it fixed. And they came home and said, look, you can either get it done early September or you can wait all the way to the rest of the year, uh, the end of the year to get it done. So I kind of had to pull the trigger. I wasn't skating as well as I could. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have skated open roads at all if not like a little bit while I was in America. So I just thought, screw it. I'll just go home, get it done and sit out. So, what, you have you have surgery in a few weeks? Yeah, I'm going to see the surgeon in about a week's time and then go hopefully for surgery a week or two just after that, so before the end of September. And I remember I went to a surgeon actually end of last year, end of 2017, to look at getting it done. I stupidly probably, looking back, should have got it done, but um, the recovery time back then was six to eight months. And I sent the surgeon off my images a couple of days ago. I haven't heard back yet, but the images are a lot worse than what they were last year. So hopefully the recovery time isn't as long, but yeah, it's not looking like it. It's looking like it could be more than six months now. So that's a bit of a bummer. So that's like, have they given you an indication of like, it's going to be like a hundred percent better or? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Or? Speaking to people that have had similar surgery. So basically the surgery they're going to do is, uh, move a bit of bone around from the back my back uh that's not really needed hopefully um and fuse it to the front of the shoulder and that basically is a full-on blocker from letting it pop out of sublax and everything okay. uh graham who owns rain had both his shoulders done at once oh, wow. he, he had both bad shoulders somehow worse <laughs> than me and uh had him done it once and since then he's taken up rock climbing he's gotten more mobility than he used to ever have and so yeah there's definitely hope that it'll it'll be better mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely can't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you're on your rain board. Yep. You're still on the Ronins. You still got the same setup. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So still on the, uh, the rain board, the uh, new one that's coming out and on Ronins, I actually, uh, changed up my Ronins. I was on 144 Ronins. Yep. Um, I've gone with the trend of the mini trucks, which is 114 or 124, oh, which wow. is like really tiny trucks, but they're, they're so aggressive, like they just snap you back into drifts. And if you can handle it, it's perfect for racing. You really want that aggressive side on the uh, racetrack. So what's the downside? They're less stable. Um, I, I thought that as well. But when I tried out Zach Maiden's mini setup and everything like that, and then once I got my own, I realized that it's actually more stable than my big setup. It's just a fact of kind of getting used to it. And I don't know, it's not something Is you want to... Is it Like, Yeah, definitely. It's... Not quite twitchier in, in a straight line. Yeah. If you were to screw up your pre-drift or corner a bit too weird or, I don't know, avoid a pothole, you yeah. definitely twitch. They just respond a lot more. So if you screw up a pre-drift, they respond to that a lot, lot harsher. Yeah. So you really got to be on top of your game. They're definitely not a truck that you want to get when you're just learning and everything like that. But it's kind of risk and reward. If you want to take the extra risk of having a, I don't know, getting crucified for stuffing up a slide, but the reward of being able to grip it a lot better. And that's where you go trade off on. So you think the smaller trucks are grippier? No, way grippier, yeah. If I I went back to riding my uh, bigger Ronins the other day, 
and the amount of like slip that I thought they had was it was incredible. Like it was so much different, <laughs> really. Yeah, but um, it's it's something you got to get used to. I think it's it's a different kind of thing. I remember I lent them to Brennan Bass at Kosako. Uh, uh, yeah, lent my mini ones to him, and he actually had to give them back to me because he said I'm probably going to steal these off you. So I think he's come home and cut some actually, but he said I was going to steal these off you if I keep riding them. So it's interesting to see him on some small trucks soon. And why the why the one twenty four at the back? Um, I actually have the one twenty four at the front. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried symmetrical. I tried a wider one at the back, and then I settled on one fourteen at the back, one twenty four at the front. After I was watching Time Attack one day, and just watching the Time Attack cars, and they have a wider. Uh, imprint at the front so their okay. their chassis is wider at the front and their tracking is wider at the front I was like well I might try this out and as it worked out it's basically the back truck and the back wheels in my sense um, follow the front wheels way better because they're doing a lot more gripping whereas the front wheels give you a little bit more stability less twitchiness but you're still getting the gain of having the mini truck on and what bushings are you using with them? Uh, the Venom bushings actually I went to uh, double 78A Venom bushings in the front, so double blue in the front. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, 95, 97 in the rear just for the stability. As you go lower degree, you need to go harder pushing because the uh, truck will lean a lot easier. So what's that degree on the front? Uh, 45. 45? Yeah. And then it's 25 on the back? 25 in the rear, yeah. Okay. And does Fred at Ronan, like this... Does he give you help setting up trucks and so forth? Yeah, definitely. When I um, when he sent them out to me, he asked me all these questions like how I ride and what weight I am and stuff like that and sent me a setup that really worked with the 144s and I rode that setup. But as I went with the shorter trucks and I had to go a softer bushing and Ronan doesn't quite offer a softer bushing that works for me. So that's when I had to jump over the Venom bushings. But he's still been so helpful even when it's not his own product, he'll... Help, tell me what to tweak here and there and if I come to him with a silly idea like I originally came to him like can I truck can you cut these trucks down to 104 millimeters and he's like look you're not going to ride 104 millimeters it's a bit silly and I'm glad I listened to him because I yeah I wouldn't be riding 104 millimeters and does anyone else do that wider truck at the front that you know of or um not too many people some people have gone wider at the rear and they find it works better but I don't know, for me, I found it washed out of corners a bit a bit too easy on me. Yeah. Um, lots of people just go symmetrical. I don't know, it's weird. We're all so technical with our mini trucks, but not many of us kind of look at each other's trucks. We kind of just ask, oh, what are you riding? Oh, yeah. mini Ronin's. Oh, cool. And then that's where the conversation goes kind of thing. You don't, don't get too technical with everyone's gear because everyone knows when it comes down to a board that's, you know, 30 inches long that everyone's going to have their own taste on it and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone's got their own like setup. And bearings? What bearings are you on? Um, well, whatever ones I can get at the time. Really, okay. I don't really uh, have a specific kind. I just use like built-ins. Obviously, I just hate changing bearing spaces. But uh, I don't know. I have some Zealous, I think, or I have some Bones race bearings. I'm not really too picky. Anything that really works. The best thing I use is um, Ionic Flux. It's a bearing loop. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, Chris, who makes it, has come out with like two more different kinds that like work for ceramics now. And a kind that um, Carlos agrees is the best. And since using it, I can't really go back from it. It's called the Gold Series or something like that. And um, it really just makes the bearing just spin really fast. <laughs> it's a really fine 
kind of lubricant. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. really gets in there and just stays on in the bearing, but makes them spin just as quick. And where, where do you sit on the um, steel um, bearings versus ceramics? Do you think ceramics are faster? I don't know. I really haven't dabbled with them too much. I Because, like, yeah, buying my bearings, I, I always just buy the cheapest ones. Usually, actually, I uh, just go for whatever's cheap at the time. And um, I did have a set of ceramics, and to me, they feel pretty much similar to steel. I don't know if that's just me not really taking any notice, but um, I don't know. Rain riding, you definitely see a difference because they don't rust. Um, that's the only time I've really seen the advantages in them is they might last as long, but I don't know. Bearings only have a certain lifespan on them anyway before they start to get a bit rattly. And Do you clean your bearings? Yeah, I clean them as much as I can, but the metal bits just end up wearing it out over time. Like yeah. You can only clean them so many times before you need to you know, buy a new set and... Do you clean them before on before race weekend or before races? Or um, no, not so much. The only flux that I have is got two. Uh, one's the gold series, one's the black one, which has been out for a while. And the black one actually cleans and lubricates at the same time, so okay. it kind of knocks out lots of the dust that's in there. So you plop that one in first, do a couple of runs, and then you can plop the gold one in after that. Will help spin them faster. So would you do that? Um, before finals day, do you do yeah, that at night? I do that. Um, I don't know. I do that probably before each weekend. I probably on the free ride day, okay. like you know, clean my bearings out a bit by putting some more lube in them. And then the gold series only lasts, you know, so long. So like, I might have to redo that after the end of each day to get it to last for the next day and everything like that. Just being a final lube. What do you got on your grip? Um, I use vicious grip. They're partnered up with Rain, so it just really came as a good package deal, and it's just really good grip. You can mold it on anything, and using a uh, a torque block in the back, which is like the foam block that yeah. Venom has. Do you um, use that? Yeah, I use that. I love that. It's, it makes heel side cornering so much easier. Um, rather than having to drop your foot to the deck, you can just slightly lean it back on the torque block, and it really gives you enough platform to turn on. Yeah. Um, I've seen other grip uh, not be able to mold over that, kind of thing and not be able to mold in certain concaves vicious just yeah, mold vicious, yeah. vicious mold so well. it just works so well with yeah. everything yeah um but do you use uh spikes yeah i was about, yeah, I was about to say that i actually uh, really like didn't go near spikes for so long and then tried a board that had spikes on a road that we're riding and then went back to my board and my my feet just kept slipping all over the place so once i put spikes and doesn't move um yeah, it's really, if you want to go fast down hills and you're not really sure about the pavement you're riding or you don't want your feet to ever move, it's really something you should really get on. Do you go. use spikes at the front and the back? Yeah, so I go about four or five in the front and then four or five in the back, just in like a cluster. And you also use a toe stop? Yeah, foot stop, yeah, yeah. Again. So you've got everything there? Yeah, i got everything to lock me in. Um, yeah, I think people that, like, uh, race-wise, like, everyone uses their like everything when it comes to racing now because you need all that to like lock you on the board. Yeah. Last thing you want is have to readjust your foot coming out of the corner. So everyone's hopping on it, like from Brazilians to uh, people in Colorado started the whole spikes thing. And I can see why when we went skating there, um, went skating with uh, Mac Daddy yep. and we went down one run and then we went straight to the hardware store. He put some spikes in, then we came back to the run. So keep skating because you just need it on those kind of roads. Does it, I mean, can you do you foot brake? Yeah, foot brake. Definitely don't foot brake 
the corners. I prefer to slide. Okay. Full braking is more of my means of shutting down or like open road, like regulating, making sure you know you don't get too close to someone or something like that. Okay. But uh, definitely not as confident in foot braking as I should be. I don't think. I kind of just is skip. It hard with spikes and no. It's really good. Spikes. Um, it's kind of like grip tape. When you move your foot around on grip tape, you kind of lift your foot up a little bit yeah, to yeah, move yeah. it around. Yeah. Similar with spikes, you just have to do a little bit more. Um, really doesn't affect. The only thing you do need with spikes is uh. You call them, uh, foot brake soles. Yeah, foot, yeah, that's the next yeah. thing I was going to say. Yeah, you've got to have foot brake soles, one for foot braking and two for spikes now because if you don't have them, you'll have a spike in your toe pretty soon. They wear out your soles pretty good. And what do you use? I don't know. I've been dabbling with a couple. I uh, had a Topics. Really like them. They're really good soles. They're really grippy. But tried the free brake soles. Oh, yeah. Um, really good brand. Uh, yeah, I really like them just because they have the grooves in them. So if you have them on your skate shoes and you go walking around, it's wet, you don't slip over everywhere. So it's a bit of a bonus on that. I find them pretty similar to topics, kind of probably just as grippy. Easier to put on, I find, because the back kind of comes already scratched up. Yeah. So they stick a little bit better, but yeah. Do you have different setups for different tracks? Um, or do you change your setup during your, like if you come to a hill? Yeah. Yeah, not, not so much. Uh, that's one thing I want to look at doing more so next year. I know, like, uh, people carry spare hangers around with them and change the width of the hangers and change the wheelbase and stuff like that. I kind of always had this mentality of just riding what you know, riding okay. the same thing and everything like that. But, again, watching, like, how people change their setup and how it actually affects, like, their times and stuff like that would be really interesting to try. So, yeah, maybe next year I might carry more, more gear around with me to change up and everything. And you've got an aero helmet? Yeah, I recently, uh, recently just picked up one. I actually, I bought one before Europe, and yeah. then while I was in Europe, I didn't quite like it, so I wanted to change up, and I actually bought one of uh, Pepe Lepore. Oh, okay. Yeah, I bought uh, a new Aldous off him, and they seem to be the uh, go-to at the moment. They're, yeah. They're new designs, really, like, really well done. So which one are you using? Uh, the Blackbird. It's the uh, short fairing one there. Okay. Similar one that Carlos and Thiago and all them use. Uh, Josh Evans has one, and lots of Australian riders are switching to them. The layout's really good, the inner's really good, it feels like a safe helmet. Yeah. I've put on some other aero helmets and felt a bit, uh, a bit uncomfortable in them. But yeah, I definitely didn't use aero helmets before, but now that I have, like, you can definitely feel like they lock you into a draft. Yeah. But more so, it's like a mindset of, you put this aero helmet on, you're going to go faster now. Yeah. Kind of thing. And if you think like that, you usually do go faster. So, leather, what shoes do you... Um, oh, wait, wait, before you do the thing, the foot yeah. brakes, do you do a foot brake on each foot? Uh, yeah, I chuck them on both feet, mainly because I usually wear the same shoes I skate in, so if I have one on one foot, it might, you know, stuff up my back a bit, walking around with yeah. six mil higher on the other side. Do you have a preferred shoe brand? Yeah, I actually uh, got picked up by Etnies at the start of this year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah so I've been riding for them, they, um, they gave me some shoes here and there to try out, the... Uh, Marana's by Etnies are really good. They come with a Michelin sole yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know about those. Yeah, they're really good. I, uh, who told me to try them? Um, I think it was Marga. She's like, look what we're getting in the shop. Sent me a picture. I'm like, oh, cool. And I got a set, tried them. I was like, wow, it's super comfy. Like the insole's amazing. Um, the Michelin sole lasts really long if you're just like skating regularly, doing foot brakes and all that. But, you know, once you put spikes on it, it tears everything up. So that's why I chuck some soles on them. But uh, they've got a toe cap so they don't wear out. By far my favorite skate shoe. I okay. couldn't really get around the uh, high top game. Everyone's on like Jordans and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't really suit my kind of skating. But yeah, these ones are really good. 
Yeah, nice. And I think we've just about covered all. We've got bearings, grip tape. Are there any other? Oh, yeah, the uh, gloves I use. Oh, gloves, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dark Speed. Um, they've, okay, yeah. they've been around for a while. They, yeah, yeah. They yeah, kind they of have. faded away a bit, but they're coming back even better now. Better now. They are uh, new designs, really good, and uh, Tony really helps everyone out that rides for him. So, like, always make sure everyone's got their hands covered and everything, which is amazing. Yeah, those those are amazing gloves. And that's their new because Dark Speed were always just pucks, weren't they? But they've got yeah. into gloves as well. Now. They always were pucks. I think Patrick in two thousand and. 11 or 10 or something mm. had a set of the protos and they never really came to be anything and then uh three years ago four years ago they started up again and uh started making gloves and pucks and the combo works well like it's leather where you need it and then um like breathable material where you don't really need it so mm. the knuckles got leather on them but the rest of the back is pretty much uh a nice can't rep canvasy kind of material so it's really good so who we've gone through a year so who are your sponsors uh, yeah, so yeah, it's Ronan, Rain, Vicious, uh, Bunnings Hardware, Spikes, um, <laughs> uh, Dark Speed Skate, uh, Etnies, Ionic Flux, and Basement Skate, just in Redfern. Yeah. And are they all on your leathers? Yeah. How do you do your sponsors? Um, yeah, I just, just put them on my leathers. I don't know. The sponsor, sponsorships these days aren't, you know, there's not much money. Yep. floating around in the sport so really the sponsors help you out by giving you gear that you need more so sure so you just pay that in return by putting them on your leathers and showing them support that they need yeah and so there's a there's a bit of a scene in um in bathurst there's a lot of yeah. skaters and so forth lots of up-and-coming people um but i mean you can't skate the mountain no so where where are, where are people skating um lots of the estates have okay kind of like a freeride hill just a pretty straight hill that might go into a corner or something like that so there's lots it's a really good place for beginners like we have lots of people that started skating a year or two ago and now they're like really good and they go traveling and all that um jaden howarth yeah. used to be a really good junior one kira um yeah he's just recently just got a new job so he's not skating as much as much as we want him to but um yeah it really shows like how well bathos is for like getting people like to just start skating it's kind of good that you can't skate the mount because I think a lot of people get turned away. They might go there, have a bad crash and not skate again. Yeah. So it's a really good way to work themselves up and then they come to Newtons. I think this year we had seven people from Bathurst skating Newtons. Yeah. And so that's really good. Really good to see all the local boys having a crack. And what do you, what do you think was the thing that helped you go from being a junior to, you know, winning or you know, being one of the top downhill skaters in the world, like, yeah, like, is it training? Is it skating? Is it gear? What, what do you think it is? Definitely. I think it's more skating. You've got to be a good skater. I know lots of people that don't skate as much and they train, like, like work out a lot more than they should be skating. Yeah. And then they lose a lot of that um, experience and agility while they're skating and they, you know, they're really fit, but they're just not skating fit kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, getting out there and skating is a big part of it. I obviously, like, tried to work out as much as I could. I've had to take some time off now because of my shoulder. I can't really work out as much as I want to. But I think at the time when I was first starting, events were the major thing. There was an event on every, I don't know, month or two. And it, even though they were in Sydney, I'd just hop on the train and get down there and have a go. 
as the events have kind of gone away, you can kind of see the younger generation isn't there. Okay. Yeah. So now that I'm having six months off during summer, hopefully we can get some more events happening <laughs> and bring up bring up some more grassroots. But um, yeah, I think the thing that put it on the world class is that being Australian, you have to travel to really skate these really good roads, whereas some other people, you know, just sometimes can't be bothered to skate. But the Australian crew seems to always be up there in the world rankings because we have the drive like okay we've paid all this money to come here we're going to really go really well so i think our drivers like australian skaters and well, myself in particular maybe is just to like always try and you know beat what you did last year or be better than everyone there kind of thing mm. and do you think i mean i've heard a lot this year that you know people trying to step it up and be more professional like being yeah. an athlete yeah definitely I think lots, that's something yeah, yeah lots of people have early bedtimes and stuff like that so yeah people are taking a lot more professional i think as it's becoming to the olympic committee kind of thing it's not quite yeah. in the olympics but it's in their mindset yeah that uh it could one day be an olympic sport people are somewhat preparing for that but um i think it's more come from people actually taking note of how the brazilians train they're really leading the way in the sport so People are catching on to how they train, how they act, and everything like that. So it's really going to be cool to see in a couple of years' time seeing a more professional grade of racing going on. It'd be awesome to see everyone out partying every night like that. But if the sport's going to blow up and get bigger and better and everything like that, then you need people to act more professional. And the Brazilians do get like um, financial support from yeah. their government. Do you think that's something that would help improve like other countries sports or yeah. Australian skating do you think definitely it'd be a be a really like step forward really big step forward because although they they do work really really hard to where they're going it does help having that you know bit of extra cash on the side and it's also an incentive for them to do better yeah if Australians had that incentive you'd see that many people pop up to races around Australia and then even more people pop up into the races around the world to do better and you'd see, yeah, Australian racing, even though it's on the top tier now, you'd see it even higher up and mm. even better. So the Aussies, they're, they're all that we've got like, you know, three, four uh, Aussies in the top 10 at the moment. They're yeah. all, I mean, you've broken through with a with a win, yeah. but I suppose getting that consistency, you think yeah. we're, the Australian skaters are on the cusp of something? Definitely. The... It's kind of, we've got this stigma of like not being feared, but people like, oh, I've got an Australian in my heat. Even if it's some Australian that they may have never heard of before or something like that, it's a stigma like, it's almost not as big as the Brazilian stigma, but it's like, oh, wow, I've got an Australian in my heat. They skate really well or something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely we need to take it a lot more seriously, I think, and train a lot harder, mm. which is cool to see up in Brisbane. They train really hard and get out to the hills every weekend and train as hard as they can. Uh, it'd be cool to see it all come under one banner kind of thing and we all train together and work harder, strive to get better and stuff. But yeah, we're on the cusp of, you know, winning more and more World Cups and World Qualifiers and everything like that. Do you think, because I mean, Australia has a good institute of sport and like technology and so forth. Do, yeah. you, do you think, and I've seen Pete Connolly, some pictures of him using a wind tunnel and yeah. so forth. I mean, do you think something like that would help? Definitely. If, um, yeah, just jotting down the camera and using, like, their facilities and stuff like that to train yeah. would be amazing because 
the sport's young. It's, it's really young. Like there's still so much evolving and getting better. And if you're on the cusp of using technology, that's amazing. And other sports that you can integrate into skating. Mm. If you can go down to world class centers down in like Canberra or Sydney and stuff like that, and use wind tunnels and stuff like that to see how you could better your tuck, how you could better cornering, and how you could change the sport and make it evolve better. Yeah, it'd be a really cool thing to see. But at the moment, the yeah, the funding and the backing just isn't quite there. I have to ask the question because. Yeah. Uh, can Chago be beaten? Definitely. He's, <laughs> he can definitely be beaten. He's definitely human. It's funny because I, I'm preparing for a Chago interview at the moment, yeah. and one of the questions was, can you do the perfect year? Just be unbeaten all year, yeah. Yeah, be, or get those five World Cup wins. Yeah. And he's on four. He's like, Yeah, he's pretty much done it at the moment. I um, So, I mean, he, he's... Yeah, he's, he's, that's what I mean, like, he's taken it to the next level. I remember in 2016 when I really started to travel around, it was Carlos that was, you know, blowing everyone away. Carlos has more of a naturally really good skating style. Yeah. Thiago really had to work and change his technique and everything. And seeing him from 2016 to this year is amazing. Like, he has changed so much to his technique to get better and better. So beating him is going to be really hard. I think beating him isn't as much as being a better, like, you know, progressing your skating and everything. Everyone's on a very similar level at the top 10 at the moment. Yeah. He's just on a better level where his mindset is you got to be in the final to win it. Yeah. So he's just constantly getting to the finals and then outperforming everyone in the final. Whereas you don't have many people, no one else this year has gone to every final kind of thing that they've been in, every race that they've been in. So he's been kind of untouchable in that aspect. So I think catch up to Thiago where he's at you got to put yourself in his mindset a bit and really look at every centimeter of the road look at how everyone skates and just work out everyone in the heat before you even race them and have have the heat one in your mind before you can go down the hill so do you think Thiago is do you think it's gear or do you think it's just time on the hill that he's just done more hours than everyone or do you think he's thinking more about like who he's racing against yeah, it's that's very much a combination of everything. He's um his gear he takes very seriously. Yeah. He'll test out every different kind of wheel that he has available, every different truck, every different bushing combo that he wants to test out on that hill before he settles on what he's gonna race on. Yeah. Whereas most people, myself included, will just race on what we know, race on what we have. Uh so he takes that seriously. And then the training side of it, he's super fit. He's you know, you can't really get close to him in fitness kind of thing. Uh, he's out on the hill every day, pushing up and down the hill, skating every other day. Uh, so in that aspect, it's yeah, that's what really drives him. He just he's doing everything ten percent above everyone else. So I mean, I think I mean Chago is driven to be like number one. I mean, yeah. it's obvious that that is something that's really important for him. Yeah. As a downhill skater, mm-hmm. what's important for you? Is it Definitely. being number one? Definitely. Or is it yeah. more of being in the sport, I mean, yeah, yeah. you obviously love the sport. You have a company mm-hmm. that's creating product for the sport. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, it's like it's always you know you go to a race to win it, so it's always try and be number one yep. all the time. But another side of it is just getting to the events and seeing everyone, kind of thing. Yep. It's a real big community aspect of skating, so you get to travel around, you get to see everyone like that. And yeah, I want to give back to the sport. I want to try and help evolve wheels and 
I don't know, help other companies evolve their products and stuff like that, give feedback, work on it, because I think the sport's just going to explode and it'd be really cool to like help it explode kind of thing. So, yeah, for me it's winning, but the side aspects of seeing everyone and seeing how, where it's going to go and how it's going to be is another aspect that's just as important to me as winning the race kind of thing. Mm. And are you already planning, like, next year? Or you just yeah. got to wait to see where the surgery and the... Definitely. It's, it's on the back burners at the moment, so just working, like, earning enough money to see what we can play around with kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so have, you, you've, have you skated South America? No. No, I was planning to do that this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so I was going to come home from America, work for about five weeks or so, and then hit the last three races. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously not now, but... I'd love to go to South America. I think the IDF's going to change it up next year, maybe, and put South America not last or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I hopefully can get back into skating in March. I hope that leads me straight into like the start of the Asia Tour and something like that. If it takes a bit longer, then it might mean skipping the Asia Tour and focusing more on maybe just the big races and stuff like that. Just go mm. to Kozakov, just go to Killington, and just go to South America, just do a smaller year next year. Haven't really looked too far into it because, yeah, really waiting to see how the surgery turns out. And uh, jumping back into, I'm, I'm jumping around a little no, bit, but the, I mean, an Aussie's never won a World Cup. Yeah. I mean, you've won a World Cup qualifier. Yeah. Do you think we think about it too much? We want it too much? Yeah, definitely. It's in the back I mean, of everyone's mind. Too much pressure. Yeah, it's not not too much pressure. I think. Everyone obviously thinks about it and it's yeah. in the back of their minds. Like, you know, we're obviously always pushing to get a, a World Cup win, which is kind of weird because everyone, you know, fears Australians or something like that. But we've never really, you know, won a World Cup or never really taken a World Cup series and stuff like that. So it's funny that we have this, like, uh, fear, but we've never really done, you know, anything too justifiable about it. Like, we've won the odd World Qualifiers here and there, but, you know... It shows that we're up there, but we just need a breakthrough to the next level and just win, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. This year, we actually, uh, at Kozakov, Bassi wasn't meant to come. Um, and we all put our money together, all put in some cash and flew him out to Kozakov. Oh, really? Yeah, we were sitting in Romania that. and we're like, Bassi came second last year. I think he can win it this year. So we all put in the cash and spoke to my auntie who's a travel agent and she booked the flights. We didn't tell Bassi until the day before and uh, yeah sent him on a plane over and he came over and he got second at uh, Kozakov again so I think we need to fly him out another year until he wins maybe maybe he's just getting seconds until you know we keep flying him out but uh, yeah yeah so we got him out there so I think yeah it's a strive for all of us to come together for someone to win which yeah. I think is cool for the Australians like we all want someone to do really really well it doesn't have to be us like myself I'd be stoked if Josh won or Bassie won or you know anyone won there's so much, Australia has so much talent at the moment. It, yeah. it really is incredible how many skaters there are that could win a World Cup. Definitely. And the amount of skaters that stay inside Australia and don't yeah. really travel outside. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like if... Um, I feel like it's going to be a dam that's going to break. Someone's going to win a race. Yeah. And Everyone's like, going to be unstoppable <laughs> for like a couple of years. Definitely. That's, that's kind of what happens with the Brazilians, isn't it? They, yeah. uh, Carlos won and then now Thiago's taken over that flame and everything. Yeah. So when um, K-Rhymes, when Kevin Reimer was like at his peak. Yeah, like 2014, 2015. I mean, era, he yeah. was pretty much unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to be as... Who do you think would win... 
K Rhymes 2014 K Rhymes versus yeah. Thiago. Yeah, that'd be a hard one. Like, the gears change so much. So, say if you put Kevin on, like, all his new gear and then, like, this gear that he has at the moment, that's probably a lot better than what he was using back then, and then put uh, Thiago on what he's riding now. I think it'd be a bit different. The styles are really different. Um, Kevin's tactic was get in front, stay in front, make everyone else work behind you kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Thiago's tactic is it doesn't matter if he pushes in fourth. He's got the best tuck in the world, so he'll just drive past you. It'd be really cool to see, but it's uh, like I wasn't around in 2014, 2015 on the world circuit per se kind of thing, so I really didn't see how good Kevin was, but seeing how good Thiago is this year, it's really hard to say like that you know, old, like, 2014 Kevin or 2014 Patrick or something like that. Yeah. And back then, he was winning all the races, could beat him. But, I don't know, it'd be interesting. If you could have an All-Stars match, yeah. If you could have <laughs> Patrick, Kevin, and Thiago and Misho or something like that. Yeah. All in one heat, that'd be really cool to see. But I think Thiago's just on that another level now. Yeah. The gear's definitely gotten better, but Thiago's definitely taken to another level. Yeah. No, he, he definitely has. So... That's it. Cool. I think that's it. Awesome. I think we've uh, I've exhausted the question. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'll good. think of some others. Um, maybe do round two another time. I'm up here in Bathurst. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm up here for um, organising dates for Newton. So cool. What we'll, dates uh, are you looking at, dude? So at the moment, we've locked in some dates from end of March. Cool. But there's also a date on uh, the beginning of April that's okay. opened up. So like weekend dates, yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, we'll have some announcements soon. And mm. do you think you'll be hopefully be fit better? For yeah. That? Well, the thing about Newtons is, is, if you stay on the board, I don't really need to use this shoulder. shoulder. So if it's say if it's 90 percent, as much as I don't want to hurt it, if it's pretty close to being good, then I'll probably probably skate. But not too sure. Yeah. If not skating, I'd, I don't know. I could uh, commentate or something. <laughs> Talk some shit on the microphone. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for being part of the podcast. No worries. Thank uh, you. Good luck with the surgery. That's the end of the episode. Thanks very much to Mitch Thompson for answering all my questions. It was a good episode, this one. I really enjoyed digging into all the tech and uh, all the stories regarding the racing. And Mitch and I talk about Newtons at the end of this episode. Newtons is confirmed for 2019. We have an approved event from Bathurst Council The dates will be the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th of April 2019. So that's the 5th to the 7th of April. Tame the Taipan will be on either side of the weekend. So at this stage, I believe they're looking at the weekend after for Tame the Taipan, but there will be an announcement shortly with that. When those dates are confirmed, I'll, I'll put it on the podcast on the next episode. And that's it. I look forward to seeing you at Newton's. We're going to have a free ride ticket. We'll have a racing ticket. There will be something there for everyone. Please uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. If you can share us on social media, if you can write us a review, that's even better. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hop out.